Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Crypto Hipsters Podcast, where I interview founders and co-founders, entrepreneurs and artists, executives and stay-at-home hipsters in crypto and blockchain around the world. And I have an amazing podcast for you today. Let's get to it. And today I have an amazing guest. He is coming to us from Switzerland. His name is David Long. He is principal at CVBC. David, welcome. Jamil, it is a pleasure to be joining you today. Pleasure is all mine. So um, let's kick things off and, and uh, ask you this. What is your background? And is it a logical background for what you're doing now? You know, I think that, uh, so I would say it's a unique background. Uh, I have a, a traditional finance background. And uh, to give you the, the quick rundown on that, I started at one of the big banks, started at JP Morgan in a very traditional fashion, working with, uh, with, with, with high net worth clients and also institutions and managing your traditional funds. And uh, made that, made that, did that for a while. I thought that was gonna be my path, but then I was, it was in Boston at the time. And the, I was so interested in seeing the tech scene there. There was so much going on. And so I slowly was getting my foot in the door in the tech scene without fully leaving the traditional finance background. Uh, so ultimately I left JP Morgan, but I started a small fund that focused on ESG investments, uh, but really before the Larry Fink letter to the CEOs and, and now everything is ESG focused and you have diversified work environments and you have, you have, you have environmental, environmentally friendly corporations, no matter the industry. And everybody thought we were crazy. And then, you know, that letter came out and then suddenly it was all focused on that transparency, having folk and having uh, and being being aware of what you're actually purchasing, knowing what the focus on the corporations are. And that's really I really had a big interest in that. Uh, so did that for a while, ran an ESG focused fund, as I mentioned, uh, but I was also on the founding team more of an, in a moonlight way of a, a HR tech stack, a SaaS company out of Boston, where I still serve on the board of directors. Uh, and uh, long story short, when I was looking to make the move over to Europe, because I'm a Swedish American citizen, so I was looking to get closer to my family, uh, I was introduced to CVVC, and they said, "Oh, you're a you're you're a fund manager who has traditional finance background, but you also know what it's like to sit on the other side of the table from a VC and raise funds." I said, "Exactly," and they said, "Okay, yeah, we we this is a good fit." So, uh, so that's that's where I am today, and that's what brings me to to uh, to to the VC scene. Um, but uh, the it's a unique path for me because a lot of guys I think either come from uh, the investment banking route or they come from a traditional crypto blockchain route uh, background, and that's not that wasn't really so much me. But with my ESG background, I immediately saw the use cases. And I think that there are so many exciting things going on in Crypto Valley. So I'm, I'm looking forward and excited to talk more about that. Awesome. So let's do that. Um, what is CVVC all about? And what is the mandate that sets you apart from the other VCs? I'm happy to, uh, to elaborate on that. So CVVC is a Crypto Valley Venture Capital. So Crypto Valley Venture Capital, it's a VC that was established in 2018. Uh, probably the, the first venture capital firm in Crypto Valley. 
And if you think back on the 80s and 90s, early stage venture capital, there was so much need for community building and traditional tech in, in Silicon Valley. And that hasn't changed now with blockchain and, and, and with crypto and Crypto Valley. There's still this major, major need to drive the community and drive that and build that ecosystem. So with crypto, uh, CVVC, Crypto Valley Venture Capital, what we aim to do is we always say, uh, a little bit cliche, but we're, we're a venture capital plus. And what the plus is, is we have uh, Crypto Valley Labs, so CV Labs, which is a subsidiary of ours. And what they manage and they focus on is they do everything from putting out the really in-depth research reports. They do all the PR. They do all the marketing. Uh, they do the, the killer events. We're going to be at the WEF in, in Davos in the next few weeks. They're doing all the planning for that. They're bringing together speakers for that, keynote speakers. And most importantly, they also run our incubation program. And so our incubation program focuses on just getting early stage pre-seed companies in and giving them access to not only early capital, but also getting them access to the entire crypto valley, all of our contacts, anything that they need to, they need to meet with somebody about their, their tokenomics, they need to meet with somebody about building out their, their technology further. We just, it's all in the same bubble of crypto valley. And so that's really exciting. And going back to the investment side, uh, so CVVC is, uh, is, is, you know, a venture capitalist uh, first. So we have our VC fund, but we also have uh, index funds that are tracking different strategies uh, and holding crypto. Uh, and on top of that, we also have a hedge fund product, a, a fund of funds product, because we believe that in a very early stage, such as crypto, there's a lot of opportunity in, in using unique trading strategies, those hedge fund strategies, where you can really create, I'll throw a finance buzzword out there, but create additional alpha. And that's really exciting. And that's, and that's not as illiquid as tying up your funds uh, for a, a 10 year time horizon in a VC fund. Um, so, but going back to, if I focus just on the, on the VC fund, uh, what's, what's really exciting about CBVC is that we've seen since kind of when, when the, the, the crypto winter hit in 2018, what we've been able to build there and what, what we've been able to see in terms of the numbers and the economics just in Crypto Valley, you cannot deny it. And in that time, we've made nearly 50 investments in over 20 countries and four continents across 12 different industries, right? So a really, really diverse focus. And we have offices headquartered, obviously, here is in Switzerland, in Zug, Switzerland. Uh, we have offices in Liechtenstein and down in Cape Town, South Africa. So we're really growing quick. And uh, it's been it's been a really fun journey so far. Sounds fun. <laughs> Sounds great. Um, you said I have a follow up. You said um, two words there. You said crypto and winter, right? I'm looking at prices today, and I'm like, are we hitting crypto winter 2.0 right now? You know, what are your thoughts? You know, I, I, that's a good question. And, uh, and I knew that was coming as soon as I brought that up, but it's, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to go so far to say that we're hitting a crypto winter, but what I think is a really interesting topic that we can discuss further is there is a misunderstanding of what the potential of blockchain and crypto really is. There's a lot of, there's a lot of, you know, you, there's a lot of buzzwords out there. There's a lot of people in the, in, in the general public that think that um, blockchain, crypto, metaverse, uh, NFTs, they're all separate things and they can't wrap their mind around it and they're not related whatsoever. And, and what, but 
if I throw some stats at you, because I think that these are really fascinating. And so this is really just from the from the VC perspective here. In 2021, we saw a total of $33 billion that went into um, uh, blockchain and crypto deals, venture deals. And what's really fascinating about that is that 60% of that money went towards companies that were Series A or beyond, which means that they were they started in crypto winter and they're now maturing to a stage where as they get through Series A and they get further on and beyond, that's indication that there's wider adoption. That's indication that as they grow more, their competitors, which are enterprise or their customers, which are enterprise, they're getting into the same weight class as those as those companies. And those are legacy companies. Those are old school companies. So regardless of what of what's happening with with the markets, because the Fed is increasing interest rates and, and, and the people think that tech is overvalued. And so they say that, oh, well, blockchain is built on tech, so it, it must be like the Nasdaq, even though that is doesn't make any sense to you and me. That's causing a lot of this downfall. But yet I just told you that on the private side, these companies are getting bigger and bigger and bigger and they're getting more adoption and they're forcing these big companies to play nice with them. So the legacy companies are having to figure out how can they innovate. And one more cool thing that, I ha that happened last week that I'll throw at you is, uh, Jamil, I don't, know if you, I don't know if you saw the headline, I'm sure you did though, but Goldman Sachs, you know, one of those banks that was denouncing everything that was everything about crypto and not wanting to get into it, is now offering loans collateralized by Bitcoin. And what's really, really fascinating about that, because you're seeing other banks coming out with products, you're seeing other banks that are starting to dabble in the space, but by Goldman Sachs doing this, they're now looking at it as the same thing if you were to take out a loan and collateralize your home. They're saying, this, we're considering this a real asset. This is an asset that is not going to go anywhere. And of course, you're going to have the, the volatility that ups down as the market, but they're willing to give out loans and collateralize that. So they're taking it seriously and they, they think that this is not going to go anywhere. That's a big shift um, from what they've said. That's why I tip people, don't, don't pay attention to what they say, pay attention to what they do. And they've been doing the opposite for years. So, you know, um, so let's get back to... to something you guys focus on and that's amc it's not the amc movie theater company but a but you, i'll let you talk about that um how do they work and what makes them different um with your mandate yeah so it's kind of this so the amc it stands for actively managed certificate and in this in this new space that we're in it's really an investment vehicle where we can pull in or loop in different trading strategies different focuses in terms of uh, where we want to focus with, whether that's in actual investing in cryptocurrencies itself, in tokens, private token offerings, or if it's private companies and we're doing an equity deal. What the AMC allows us to do is structure a product that is otherwise not out there because it's such an early space. And we're able to use the actively managed certificate as a vehicle and then offer that to our investors where they can buy certificates, it's similar to the same way that you would go and buy a bond. You can then you can go buy a certificate or a share of this fund. So the fund is really it's it's complicated because people haven't heard of it before, but it's it's really just a fund structure that allows us to pull in otherwise um, illiquid and newer assets. So let's think about that. You know, I look at your website and I see the that I see you have your investments there, and I don't, I don't recognize any of them. Like I would recognize like different cryptocurrencies, but you have like an so would I be able to buy an AMC that allowed me a piece of the 
you know, the venture fund, the venture companies that you're invested in. Is that how it works? That's exactly how it works. So you would go. So if you were to buy a a certificate or a share of this of of the venture fund, which is run through the AMC, you would own a prorated prorated a percentage of that venture fund. You would be a venture fund investor. Interesting. So what's the poll? So what are those a lot of those companies that you know they're they I guess are assuming they're Crypto Valley. I want to find out what the pulse is there right now. It's it's really exciting. Uh, it's it's not it, it's not run by the headlines of seeing the falling the, the the falling market at the moment. I mean, of course, we're not in denial. We see that those that those crypto prices are falling, but the companies keep building. And there's wider, as I mentioned briefly before, there's wider adoption. There's more money going into it. We have more corporates coming to us asking questions. More VCs that haven't previously been in the space coming to our firm and coming to Crypto Valley. Uh, governments as well, looking to figure out, you know, how can we learn more about this? How do we get involved in the space? Uh, so it, it, it's, and I think there's so much opportunity. And kind of going, if I go back briefly to 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 that 33 billion in total VC funding that happened last year, there was majority, almost 50% of that, between 40 and 50% of that money that was invested in early stage private companies last year went towards really the infrastructure, as, as I would say, of, of crypto and blockchain. And the infrastructure being the, the trading platforms or the exchanges and, and really enabling that the, there to be liquidity. And if I have it actually over here, kind of on a note that I put aside, it was 40.1% uh, went towards trading exchanges and lending services. And only 17% of that 33 billion went into, went, went into meta, metaverse investments, went into DAOs, went into NFTs. And I really think that you, there's so much hype around it, but we, we are limited by what our imaginations can do as a population. Uh, so there's there needs to be wider adoption for you for there to be that switch, right? So that what we saw is a big percentage go into building the infrastructure. Now we're going to start to see that shift, and you're going to see more of a drive in these other areas where it's an idea, but let's let's put some money to it and see where it can actually go. Got it. Okay. So my next question is going to be focused on moving civilization forward, right? Um, and so I'm going to break that up into two categories. The first is for the systems and processes, right? How have, how have age-old systems and processes inhibited like, um, our ability to move forward as a civilization and continue to even do so like right now? Absolutely. So if I can, if I can kind of start with something that I I think it's so fascinating about blockchain altogether as, 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 and not to get overly philosophical here, but as humans, I think that we have royally screwed up this, this, this world that we live in. And, and that's not a, that's not a plug at the environment, but I just mean in general, right? And here comes a technology blockchain that is, a, that is creating an opportunity that no matter where you are geographically, no matter what the economic background, no matter what, whatever the situation is, industry as well, no matter the industry, this creates uh, a value add for all of those people that are involved, all of those stakeholders. And what I think in order to move civilization forward here, uh, there needs, we need to see a wider, edu more education around what the technology can really do. Not the seesaw back and forth of, 
bucketing it into here's here's one use case but ooh, doesn't doesn't it doesn't it create uh, more opportunities for fraud because it's decentralized and i think that for many years majority of people wanted centralization so they didn't have to worry about it. they wanted a bank that they knew that they could go to and put their money into and they didn't have to worry about the safety of it as opposed to airing in the backyard but then the whole the whole evolution of of, of the blockchain world came because the banks took advantage of the normal person and so I think there needs to be more education to understand what the full potential is, because you can pick just about any industry and there's a use case for blockchain. It may not be ready for that industry to adopt it. It may not be ready for uh, for wide scale rollout of blockchain in that certain industry. But there is there is a fit in every single industry, in every country. And even in, in, in one, one part that is, is blowing up right now and one part of the world is in Africa. And what blockchain and what crypto has done for Africa, we actually have we actually have a really big focus having an office down there. It, it has has been in, incredible. Uh, the opportunities that have been created with with mobile money payments, with uh, tracing and tracking, uh, it's it's really been fascinating. And um, so I think that helping the general public understand how that this can this can be built out further and giving them a real a, kind of a, a almost like a, a, a educational rundown of hey you know this isn't just a this isn't just an investment vehicle so that somebody can get rich quick by investing in a token that is low at the moment and then it's going to you know jump up real high twenty thousand percent um helping them realize that this can actually make their lives easier i think we're getting there yeah so the second part of that question is this you talk about trust People are beginning to trust banks a little bit more than they did in 2008. But there's been a huge drop off in trust of, of, of media. Right. Um, so, you know, in this world of, of distrusting media, how do people begin to look through that narrative of price, of people shilling the price or shilling the token to look how they can benefit them? Um, in a creative and constructive way. Mm. So I guess, so your question is, um, how do people see through the headlines from the media to what the yeah. value really is? Right. Yeah. So, you know, I'm actually going to bring it, can I, I'm going to use an example here from me. Is that all right? Cause I, I think it's yeah. interesting and I want to mention this and I should have mentioned it earlier, but, I, I briefly touched on our incubation program and in our incubation program, we, we just had a, a company from Dublin go through our program called ServeBlock. And what ServeBlock is doing is they're doing supply chain management for the pharmaceutical industry, but starting from the manufacturing of pharmaceuticals. And if you look at the process, and this is what's so interesting to us, is that it's still a paper run process. There's really no innovation around it. And with the problem with that is it takes extremely long time. Of course, paperwork, no surprise there, but it gets very costly and it gets costly from resources uh, and uh, from people that need to work on that. And it, and, and it costs people time. And the people that get hurt in the end are the are the ones that need those, those medications or need, need those, um, those uh, med even the same thing in, in, in medical devices. It's the same problem. And if it takes too long because there's cogs in the system, then they're not getting the drugs that they need that might be life-saving. And it's costing them a fortune. And so here's a use case where you have somebody that is a, that's a major, major topic. And I think all of, in, in, in 
politics globally, especially the U.S. The U.S. is horrendous with the price of pharmaceuticals. But here is here is somebody that is coming along that's using an immediate use case of authenticating and, and using traceability to speed up that process so that that stakeholder at the end isn't the, the, the grandparent who is not getting the drugs that they need to, to live a normal life or, or anybody. And I think that that's as soon as people start to feel it for real and it and it's not just a digital currency or a technology or line of code that you can't see as soon as they start to see the value that is being driven by somebody paying maybe less for the drugs that they need or getting them quicker i really think that that's when we're going to start to see it so i'm, I'm focusing on one example here but as soon as the value becomes tangible and how much value blockchain can add to their lives in many many different areas now you start to get trust now you start to say see people saying oh it wasn't all about bitcoin is bitcoin like a, is it is it is it tied to gold is it a hedge against inflation is it a tech stock what is it no it's it's a value add for every aspect of your life and pick an industry and that's where it can drive that value it's bringing the value add down to the personal experience level is, is what the challenge is going to be. Yeah. Great. So, um, what could ask you about a concrete example, right? So, let's talk about, you know, um, alleviating some of the concerns that will move, you know, civilization forward. So, um, you know, let me let me ask it this way. Asking for to elaborate on um, how the slow adoption and regulatory hurdles, you know, are being driven right now, and what's causing the widespread misunderstanding, and how these concerns get alleviated. Yeah, well, I think that think that what we see, at least in the administration of the United States, and I'm plugging that one just because it's a it's a big market. There's the mandate that's come out around come out around learning about crypto and blockchain and what and 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 what is it, right? Biden put that out, and you're starting to see that those 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 and that wasn't just the U.S. As soon as that came out, other countries started making that mandate. And so you've had a lot of people coming into Crypto Valley that have tried to understand that. And I think around alleviating the concerns is once again, uh, better education, a better understanding of, of the people who are the decision makers. And that's, I think we're moving in the right direction. You're seeing that in the Biden administration. You're seeing that in other countries where they're sending out their, their, their administration or their staffers to go and gather this information so that they have a trusted source of, hey, this is how it's really working. And here's how other people are doing it around the world. And it's not just this fluctuating uh, volatile investment. It's it, it, This is where it could actually help our government. Um, of course, there's always a, a question around around control the governments are are trying to figure out how to play nice but i think that innovation drives regulation as many people have always said and we're we're getting I, there, there's definitely going to be some sort of regulation where the blockchain world will have to play nice uh with uh, with regulation but that's where you get wider spread adoption there needs to be some some compromise and we're getting there if they're doing the research now and it's coming from the top 
you're going to start to see things changing and it's going to be more adoption and, and, and widespread uh, in, incorporation of what the technology can do. So what, do you, what are some of those areas you think will be compromised? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, I think we're, we're, we're yet to see where that is. It's, it's difficult to answer that. I can't, I can't pinpoint it at the moment. We're still very early stage. I'm just looking at it from an investor perspective. If I don't have that accredited investor letter, you know, um, does the bank want me earning 7% on a stable coin when they can, when they want to pay me a quarter of a percent and give profits to the shareholders, you know? Yeah, I'm just thinking maybe that might be one area. For example, yeah, that's one. It's, hey, that's one. That's one use case in one industry, right? And it can be applied to many, but for sure. So, I need to get that investor letter. <laughs> but, uh, so, I want to I want to thank you very much um, for your time today. Actually, I mean, I, I have one question, and it's regarding Africa. You know. So I don't really have I don't really have an insight there. I haven't had many guests from Africa, right? Um, I've had a lot of guests in Europe, in the U.S. and 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 Asia, um, but I, re I don't really see what the pulse is in really going on over in Africa. So what? Since you are an investor there, I want to find out what you see. Is it an open sea? What are some of the you know hurdles that that you are experiencing right now, and 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 what's that like? Uh, it's well, so it's country by country, but the countries that you're starting, you're seeing a lot of excitement from uh, the, where we're looking, where we are currently invested. Uh, you, Nigeria, very entrepreneurial market, uh, South Africa as well, and, and then Kenya. Uh, a lot of it is tied around mobile money payments, and there, there. I think there's a lot of trust. There's funny. I think there's actually a, there's a lot of trust using cryptocurrency, and that's driving other businesses. And, and so that's where we've seen a lot of uh, a lot of excitement and, and, a, and a lot of our focus. Uh, also, same thing with the supply chain use case. That's a very challenging one uh, because, there, to to be honest, there's depending on what country you're talking about, um, there's challenges within the, the the political the geopolitical situation, and there might be some corruption there. And so now here's blockchain that's offering a some a bit of a solution around that. Uh, so it's it's growing really really fast. Um, I don't think that if it wasn't for blockchain's capability, I don't know that the, that that we would see as much venture activity and as much uh, companies being spun up in that region. That unless that we do now, because it's it's helping their lives. Uh, they the the African people can really be their own entrepreneurs just with a cell phone, and they don't have to go through a centralized institution. So it's really exciting there, but there are, of course, are regulatory hurdles there as well, uh, depending on the country. Thank you. Um, so this has been an amazing conversation. I want to thank you very much for your time today. Um, I'm hoping to get over to Switzerland uh, in the winter so I can take my boys skiing. Um, I have one last question. It's this. How can people find out more information about CBBC, about you, about what your company does, about the mandate? Um, maybe invest in AMC, how can they do any of that? So our website makes that really easy, but if, so if people are interested in learning more about some insights from us, if you go to our, our blog page, we have some really, really great reports that we've done in partnership with PwC. Uh, we, our investor page will give you information about any one of our funds and you can, and you can go and get the, pull the fact sheets from there. 
Uh, and if you want to get in touch with me, I'm very open to connecting with people on LinkedIn. So just reach out to me directly and I'm happy to, to connect and talk. Awesome. Thank you very much for your time today. Thank you, Jamil. It's been a pleasure.